0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm going to give the Bible verses for today, and they come from the New International Version. So the first passage is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds And glorify your Father in heaven. And the second passage is from Luke chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Amen.
0: Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that, uh, that your mercy to us is new every day, that you are full of grace and abounding in love. And we draw on that and we seek that today. And we ask that you would speak to us and encourage us through your word this morning. We, we, ask, we invite you, Holy Spirit to to open our hearts and our minds to what you might have to say to us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever noticed that uh, that certain topics are conversation killers? One of them is telling people that you're a Christian. Another can be answering people's question at work or uni about what you did on Sunday morning. Uh... I went to church. What about you? Then there's this, often a, stare, a sort of blank stare. Uh, recently, I watched a YouTube clip. I spend a lot of my time watching YouTube clips these days. It's what you pay me for. <laughs> anyway, I watched this uh, YouTube clip with about a pastor in the UK, and um, his name was his name is Jay John, and he talked about the problems that he faced when. People ask him what he does because when people a lot of people hear the words Christian and pastor in the same sort of sentence they sort of uh, their minds sort of conjure up all sorts of strange ideas and so instead of telling people that he's a pastor he likes to be a little bit creative and he likes to tell people the sorts of things that he does and uh, what he's sort of part of and so recently he took a flight. Uh, and as he sat down on the plane next to the woman next to him, he, uh, he asked the woman where she was going. And she, she replied that she was going to Singapore. And then the lady, the woman asked John, J. John where he was going and he said, well, I'm going to Australia. And then Pastor J. John said, he asked the woman what she does and she told him about her job. And then the woman said to Pastor J. John, What do you do? And he said, Well, (laughs) I work for a global enterprise. She said, Do you? He went on and said, Yes, we have outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, Have you? He said, Yes, we have. We've got hospitals and hospices, homeless shelters as well. We do marriage work, we've got orphanages, feeding programs educational programs, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. Basically, he said, we look after people from birth until death and we deal in the area of behavioural change." She said, she went, wow! And because the wow was so loud, everyone else in all the seats around them on the plane looked around at them. And then she said, what's it called? And Jay John said, it's called the church. Have you ever heard of it? Like that one, did you, George? <laughs> i got plenty more dad jokes where they came from. You know, it's certainly difficult today mentioning that you're a Christian as it, uh, as it conjures up in people's minds all sorts of weird things. But today, in modern, modern secular Australia, people's images of Christianity and Christians are many and varied. Some people think we're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. Others think that Christianity is quaint, but has little relevance to real life, and therefore it's just something that, it's just a private matter. Others think that the church is just focused on sin and judgment and heaven and hell, Others still have an image of of Christians in the church existing really just to help the poor and the marginalised, but it's got nothing to say to the middle class and the well-off. So this raises a question, or raises questions about who we are and what our role is today as followers of Jesus. But it's not just people outside the church who have a view on what the church is, is it? We uh, Each of us do as well. And they these views actually determine what you get involved in and what you give your time, effort and money to. As a church, uh, we've actually set aside this first half of this year to explore who and what God is calling us to be. And so uh, we've called this time Rethinking Mission, God's Mission Our Part, because we really want to hear together what the Holy Spirit's actually saying to us about the type of church God wants us to be in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 and 20 years as we actually seek to be on mission with God in our community and also beyond. Fortunately, Jesus gives us some directions or gives some directions to his followers on this matter. And so over the past eight weeks, as many of you know, we've looked at the attitudes and values and characteristics which Jesus has Ha, ha, which Jesus has himself and which he desires for his kingdom people to have. But Jesus doesn't stop there with those eight Beatitudes. He goes on to describe more broadly and deeply what life looks like when people enter his kingdom by following him. And so um, as Jesus, after these Beatitudes, he starts to expand and explain the life of his kingdom people. And when he does that, he actually gives them two images, two metaphors to help them understand who they are and what they are to be about in the world. And Jesus says to his followers, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt and light may may seem like fairly straightforward images to you, since we use them both in our day and age, but to really understand what, why Jesus connects these, uh, these two images to his followers' lives, we actually need to understand how Jesus or what Jesus meant by these terms and how the people in his day would have actually understood them as well. So let's think about salt for a minute. We all know what salt is. It's, uh, it's part of uh, the food that we eat. Every day, But but the interesting thing about this passage is that Jesus wasn't actually talking about table salt when he was declaring his followers to be the salt of the earth. Jesus was actually thinking about salt as it was used in agriculture at that time. You see, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And so this statement actually gives us a bit of a hint about what Jesus was on about. Another way of saying that would be, you are the salt of the soil. This sounds a bit odd until you know that actually people in the ancient times, people like the Chinese, Hebrew people, Romans, they actually used a, a salt as a form of fertiliser in that time. And so they applied it to arid soil to help it retain moisture and to help it retain nutrients. And, and, it would, and they applied it to make things grow in places where they usually wouldn't. This salt was a mixture of minerals, sodium, magnesium, potassium, gypsum, and it was really white. And so Jesus calls his followers the salt of the earth because he sees us actually playing a similar role to to this salty fertiliser in the communities in which we live. He wants wants us to be people who go places where nothing is growing, where there's brokenness, where there's barrenness, and he wants us to live and serve in those places and be like fertilizer, helping people and those places to grow and flourish. Wherever the world is not the way that God intends it to be is where God wants Christians to be going and serving and being salt of the earth. Friends, you don't have to go very far to find actually opportunities today to be that kind of salt, do you? We've just actually had had our Mentimeter, and I'll I'll bring it up here again because I want to actually refer to it now. But um, in our Mentimeter poll today, you all mentioned a range of areas in which our community is like a barren an arid landscape where people are broken and suffering and not flourishing. You mentioned things like uh, loneliness, abuse, homelessness, depression, lack of support, natural disasters, domestic violence, death of a loved one, stress, Ukraine, isolation. Let me add a few more. Poverty, poor self image, time poor, polluted rivers, hopelessness, racism, identity issues, bigotry. All of these are aspects of human brokenness. Sin doesn't just have a personal effect on you. It's not just about your doesn't just break your relationship with God. It actually impacts the whole of life and it actually impacts the world in which we live. And so, addressing barrenness and brokenness that stops flourishing is actually part of the role that God has given us as a community of believers in the world. This is why the world, this is why the church just can't focus on evangelism, because actually, God's interested in our whole being. Jesus says in John 10:10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He also says in Revelation 21.5, I am making all things new. And so what Jesus is saying here by calling us the salt of the earth is that we are to be part of this process of, of flourishing and renewal as Jesus' hands and feet serving people and as his voice for, for justice in a world which is increasingly barren and arid. But it's not just salt that Jesus calls his followers to be. He also says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. But instead they put it on stands and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This seems like a stunning statement at first because elsewhere in Scripture we're told that Jesus is the light of the world, aren't we? Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world in John 8.12. He's the one whom God sent into the world to deal with the cause of, of actual human darkness, which is sin and shame. But actually here on the mountainside, Jesus gives his followers The responsibility to also be the light of the world. And so, how do we do this? How are we the light of the world? We do this by reflecting Jesus to others. So, as we take on the attitudes and values and characteristics of Jesus, we'll actually be like him. That's what the Beatitudes are about. They're calling us, they're drawing our attention to who Jesus is. And Jesus wants those attitudes and characteristics and values to to actually be, to characterise us as well. And so we also reveal Jesus to the world in everything that we say and do to people that we live amongst, don't we? I could tell you about famous people who have been salt and light, but I think that would actually miss the point of what Jesus is actually saying here. See, he's he's saying to all of us who follow him that we are the salt and we are the light and he wants us to be serving him in barren and dark places in the world. Therefore, I want to tell you this morning about a woman who you've never heard of, about Emma Aiken, how she is being salt and light in the places where she lives and works. You see, you've never heard of Emma Aiken, But she's a real person. She exists. But she's never written a book about what she does. She's never been on YouTube. I've never seen her there, and I've seen a lot. She's never done anything noteworthy by the world's standards. You won't ever see a memorial service at the MCG held in her honour when she dies. In fact, you'll go through the rest of your life probably never, ever hearing her name again. But God knows who she is, and the people who she encounters knows who she is because she has been salt and light to them. Emma Aiken is being salt and light in the community and in the place, place, place where she lives and where she works. You see, Emma loves and follows Jesus. This is her qualification for being salt and light. When people are hurting at the place where Emma works, she offers to pray for them. When they need someone to talk to, Emma listens. When they need advice, they often seek Emma's counsel because she actually really listens and she actually is really concerned. But sometimes the same people make fun of Emma and her Christian faith and her Christian ways. But when they are in trouble... They seek her out first, ahead of anyone else. You see, Emma is a light reflecting Jesus for all to see. She is salt in a world that is barren and arid and largely void of care and concern. The end result of Emma being salt and light is that people are helped and they begin to flourish. People see Jesus in her, and some of them end up glorifying God. And that is the same result that will occur when you and I are salt and light in the places that we live and work today, as well, friends. But Jesus doesn't end his teaching there. He doesn't just tell his followers, yep, you're salt and light. Get on with it. No. <laughs> he also gives a warning. And this is the challenging bit. He gives a warning to his followers because it's a, he actually says it's possible not to play that role of salt and light in the world. It's actually possible not to be an effective partner with God's, in God's mission to the world. You see, if you lose your saltiness and if you cover up the light of Jesus in your, in your life, that it, then it will prevent others experiencing that saltiness and seeing Jesus in you. The idea of lighting a lamp and covering up would have been ridiculous for the people who were listening to Jesus. You see, they would have laughed their heads off when they heard Jesus say this because they couldn't imagine someone going to all that effort of going to buy some oil because they had oil lamps in those days, little tiny lamps, and uh, trimming the wick, lighting a lamp, and then and then what do they do? Cover it over. <laughs> That's a ridiculous scenario for those people listening. And the same goes for salty fertiliser that they used. None of them would have uh, tossed on their field if they'd tasted it, and that's what farmers do, don't they? They love to taste things, don't they? You always see them you know, picking up a bit of soil. Mmm, that's good. Yep, this is fertile. This is, this is going to grow something. They taste things all the time. Okay? You couldn't imagine one of them tasting this salty fertiliser and saying, Oh, yeah, no, there's nothing in that. And then throwing it on the ground to make things grow. They wouldn't waste their time. They wouldn't waste their effort. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus says the same thing when he says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is just to be thrown out. So in order to be salt and light... We need to avoid losing our saltiness and avoid covering up the light of Jesus in us. But how do people lose their saltiness today and how do people stop reflecting the light of Jesus to the world? That's the question, isn't it? You already mentioned in your um, your Mentimeter today a number of ways that this happens. You said... um, Time, fear, fear of rejection, money, resistance, feeling inadequate, uncertain, doubt. I'll add a few more: living with unconfessed, live, living with unconfessed or habitual sin, focusing on only on yourself and your own comforts and pleasure, being swayed by peer pressure, putting your own ambitions ahead. of of God's calling on your life. You see, all of these things, they sap sap your saltiness and they dull the light of Jesus in you. Perhaps you can recognise that you're not as salty as you once were in your Christian life or that you no longer reflect Jesus in a way that people really notice him in you. Today... Jesus is encouraging all of us to think about the areas of our life that are causing his souliness to leak out of us and the habits and attitudes and behaviours that are a part of our lives that are dulling the light of Jesus in us. Can you think of those things in your own life this morning? Today is a great day to acknowledge those things to God and ask God to fill you afresh with his spirit so that you can be salt and light where you live and work and in the places in places that he's yet to show you. You see God wants to take you places and to people that are out there who are suffering. But in order to do that he wants to refresh you first through his spirit. Jesus sermon on the mount is certainly challenging isn't it? <laughs> we get we're getting a bit battered each week as we come and engage with it. But but Jesus is not just calling us or calling you to believe something about him. Christianity is not just about having a correct knowledge about God so that you can you know, have the right knowledge so that you can get to heaven when you die. Jesus is actually calling you to respond and to follow him and allow him to shape your life according to his values, attitudes and characteristics. You see, Jesus wants to fill your life with his spirit so that, so that you flourish in this life and so that you can help others to flourish and also to encounter him and to glorify him themselves. But this is not just something that you do on your own. As we consider the kind of church that we're going to be in the months and years ahead, we need to make sure that we are a community in which, both salt, which we, in which we are both salt and light. We need to explore seriously the ways that we can be salt in the community, to seek flourishing for our community by getting involved in barren and arid places in our community. I'm not sure what those places are yet. That's why we need to work together, listening to the Spirit, to hear what God is saying to us about those things. We need to seriously explore them together. We also need to help people see Jesus and hear about Jesus and meet Jesus in us. And this goes to the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you see. When we are both salt and light, people will flourish and people will encounter Jesus. But each generation of Christian, each generation of Christians needs to work out what it means to be salt and light in their time and in their place. In the book of Acts we're told that the first few followers of Jesus were salt and light to people in their time and their place. And in the power of the spirit, in the power of the holy spirit, they shared their possessions with one another so that no one in their community was in need. While doing this, they continued to tell people who lived around them and saw their generosity that it was Jesus who had risen from the grave who gave them this love and gave them this power to serve each other and be generous to one another in this way. Later, after these apostles and disciples had all died, the church had to work out again what it meant to be salt and light in their time and in their place. In the first 350 years after Jesus, the church grew from 120 people to 33 million followers of Jesus in just 350 years in the Roman Empire through through followers of Jesus being salt and light. They cared for the sick during pandemics at the cost of their own lives when no one else would. They challenged and changed the views of people, uh, they challenged and changed views that people had in society about things like, uh, f- female, um, about, about female infanticide or infanticide of female babies, which was really common in the Roman Empire at that time. If people had a, a baby, a baby girl born, they already had, they, they would uh, often kill it because it was better to have boys. but that ceased that practice ceased amongst christians and then it ceased to be a, a practice in the roman empire itself being salt and light they challenged the standards of the day about the status of girls and of women transforming their lives and all while telling people that jesus is lord and that their new attitudes and values and characteristics were all shaped by jesus Many centuries later, others have also had to work out what being salt and light was again in their time, in their place. This time in the 18th century, people like William Wilberforce and other evangelical Christians in Britain challenged slavery and they got it outlawed. And they challenged exploitative child labour practices and got them outlawed. And they promoted education amongst the poor and they did many, many other things all the while proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And in the last quarter century, this church, Moonee Ponds Baptist Church, has also had a great history of being salt and light in this area. In the past, people in this church have engaged with refugees from many different countries. They've fed the poor and the marginalised. They've engaged with people by running a multilingual service, which were translated at times into many different languages. They ran school holiday programs for kids and sought to share Jesus and called people to follow Jesus. You see, this church has a history of being salt and light in, in their time and in, in the place that they live. But what about many Ponds Baptists today? Jesus is telling us that we are salt and light. Our our role in God's mission to the world has, hasn't changed, but the world in which we live has changed. And so we need to get a fresh vision from God today so that we can be salt and light in the Mooney Valley, Moone Valley at this time in history and in the place that God has placed us. We're not living in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Nor are we in the Roman Empire during the first three hundred and fifty years after Christ, or are we living nor are we living in eighteenth century Britain. But we're also not not in Mooney Ponds, not in the Mooney Ponds of the nineteen eighties, or the Mooney Ponds of the year two thousand. We are here in 2022 and our role as faithful followers of Jesus is to work out together, to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we can be salt and light today, friends. What does it mean for us to be salt and light today? I'm not sure yet. But are you willing, like people in the past, to play your part? To challenge things and stop that stop you actually being salty. Are you are you willing to to challenge those things and ask God to challenge those things in your own life that stop you being salty and and stop you stop the stop you uh, not reflecting Jesus to the world that dull the light of Jesus in you. Are you willing to commit yourself afresh to listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do? That's what is required for us to be salt and light today. This is what Jesus calls us to. In the coming years, I hope that when someone asks you about your life, instead of just telling them that you are a Christian and that you go to church on Sunday, I hope that you'll be able to tell them about the community that you're part of and all the ways that we as a community are seeking to be salt and light in this community so that once, they, once you finish telling them, they say, wow. And then they ask, what is, what is the name of that organisation? And you tell them, it's called the church. <laughs> it's our church, Mooney Ponds Baptist Church. Have you heard of it? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for for your word, your call, your encouragement for us to be reminded that we are salt and light. We are salt and light. Not we're going to be salt and light, but we are salt and light. We are your salt and light in the world in which we live. Lord, help us to... Live out that salt and light. Refresh us so that we are salty. Refresh us so that we shine the light of Jesus to the people around us. Lord, as we go into a time of communion, I pray that you'd help us to reflect deeply on the people that you want us to be. Amen.